Lord, thank you so much for just bringing us together today. Lord, last week we got to dive into your word and just really grow in that area. And today we want to go deeper in prayer, God. Just hearing that, just hearing Danny's experience and Brother Lawrence's experience, just challenging us already. But I just pray you would help us cultivate that heart where we'd want to pray more. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was thinking about prayer, I think just about every person, if you ask them, even an atheist would say, they would mention they at least have tried prayer or are open to prayer. It's not something that like, you know, if you talk to a Muslim, they're not going to be like, oh, I hate prayer. Prayer is something that's like, people try it, right? I mean, it's, it's a, big, a big thing. A definition on Wikipedia said, it's an invocation or act that seeks to activate a rapport with an object of worship through deliberate communication. Every believer, you know, Drew's out there teaching the youngsters, and if he said, is prayer important, what are they going to say? Yes. Every religion believes that. But for Christians, it should be our lifeline. I love this quote I came up with this week, or I, I copied actually. Prayer is a discipline of dependence on God, and as such, it is the breath of every disciple of Jesus. I didn't steal that from your book, but it kind of reminds me of your book a little bit. But as a non-Christian, I attempted praying. And I want to give you a few examples of the different attempts I tried. The Hail Mary prayer. Does anyone know what that is? That's kind of like, man, I don't know what this test is about. Lord, give, help me out here. Uh, you're going into a game against a really good team. Lord, help us beat them. You know, kind of the, the Hail Mary. Um, the foxhole prayer. Thankfully, I don't have to go to war, but that's the prayer they say even in atheist prayers. Like, God, I'm about to die here. Help me, you know. The religious prayer. Now, I got a good example of the religious prayer. Um, Justin, we got the, the clip ready? Right, you got this guy who, Jews pray, right? Um, and then, um, then I have what we call the ninja prayer. Uh, this is the prayer, and it kind of goes back to this. I used to do this with youth kids all the time. Even in youth groups, like, I would put kids on the spot, like, say, you know, Michael, they'd be like, hey, your turn to pray. You know, it was, so, was kind of like that clip right there, right? But prayer is an essential, important part. And Jesus knew that prayer was important. And Jesus didn't just know it was important. He modeled prayer. So now we're just going to look at this prayer that a lot of us have seen. And there's a parable that goes with it. But I want us to embrace these patterns of prayer. Because not just that we pray, God wants us to pray, and he gives us a pattern to follow in this. So here's the first thing. We must embrace Jesus' pattern of prayer because it can be learned. So we're in the book of Luke today, and uh, what's the greatest commandment? We talk about it quite a bit. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And it goes, love your neighbor as yourself. So a little backdrop in this Luke section. We have the greatest commandment to love God and to love others. And then there's that story where... Um, Basically, there's the, the Good Samaritan, right? And it, shows, it kind of paints an illustration about loving God and loving, or loving others. And then we have the Martha and Mary story. You guys remember that story? It's where there's Martha. Martha's really busy with stuff. And what's Mary doing? Sitting at the feet of Jesus. And who chose the better part, Martha or Mary? Mary. So that's kind of the backdrop of what's going on here. And then Jesus is using that to teach his disciples about prayer. And what I want us to know is, is, let's read the verse. Let's just jump into this. 
I want us to see the prayers connected to discipleship. 11.1 says this. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John also taught his disciples. Now, I want you to think about this. Why would his disciples ask him to teach them how to pray? It's probably because he prayed, right? Think about the verses you can think about in your head where Jesus was praying. Remember Mark, it says, in the early morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up and went to a quiet place or a place of solitude, and he prayed. Man, Jesus was with his disciples for three years, and there were times where it was like they were just hanging out, and he would just disappear. He would withdraw to pray. And they're like, man, John taught his disciples to pray. Jesus, why don't you also teach your disciples how to pray? And for three years, they knew that he prayed. Jesus could teach prayer because he lived a life of prayer. If you're good at reading your Bible, you could probably teach someone else how to read their Bible. I, I can't teach someone how to be a dentist, but there's someone in this room who could teach someone how to be a dentist. He lived this life, so his disciples naturally asked him, can you teach us how to pray? Wouldn't it be cool if someone came to you and were like, man, Ed, you have such a deep prayer life. Can you teach me how to pray? That'd be a pretty cool, cool thing. And what I want to see here is we want to grow in this area, but this is also something we could teach others. I think it was either Andy or Christiana said their parents taught them how to pray. I could be lying about that, but I think one of you guys said that. Now, what a greater joy than teaching your kids how to pray. It said this is the only time in the Gospels that someone asked Jesus to teach them something. Prayer is a necessity of the spiritual life, and all who earnestly try to pray soon feel the need of being taught how to do it. Who in here feels that, uh, like they need help sometimes praying? Anybody? Man, Jesus wants to teach us. It's a pretty cool, pretty cool thought. Um, right now, I want you to ask yourself these questions. Do you need someone to teach you to pray? You know, I love our women's Bible study because... It sounds like that's going on there, right? Like you guys are actually praying. Like this last semester in the book of James, we were actually studying the word. But these are things that like we could teach others. And here's what I found is when we teach others, it usually makes us one in that area, stronger. Do you need to pray with someone else? Just think about that. Man, I was kind of challenged with Danny's testimony. I was like, guys, maybe we need to start praying in our Bible study more. But this is a discipleship thing. And I want us to see that this can be learned and it can be part of our discipleship. The second reason we need to embrace Jesus' pattern is because he gives us the ingredients. Jesus gives us the ingredients of what to pray for. And here's the first one. The first ingredient is his name needs to be made great. In the Lord's Prayer, our Savior gave us not merely an exhaustible source of enlightenment in prayer, but also a perfect prayer, which we must often address to God. Now, I want to say something before we walk through this prayer, because we've all seen it before. You can just walk through the Lord's Prayer and just do it like it's, you know, wrote or whatever you said a second ago, like just, Our Father who art in heaven, help be thy name of the kingdom. You know, we, we could just do it like that. But, man, there's some great power if we really embrace the Lord's Prayer. 
So the first ingredient is this. It's making God's name great. And he said to them, when you pray, he didn't say if you pray, he said, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What's awesome about this prayer is when he mentions the Father here, he's mentioning it in an intimate way with God. Isn't that crazy that we could have intimacy with God? Man, it would really stink if you had to come to church each week and I was your, your go-between go with God. You're like, Nate, can you go tell God this for me? I was like, okay, God. No, we could go directly to God in an intimate way. And it says, our Father. Isn't this awesome? Our Father. And you might be here and you might have had a great father. You might have had a terrible father. But even if you had a great father, your father's still nowhere near as great as God. And we could go directly to God. It says, our Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. You know what it means? Hallowed be your name. It means everyone regards his name as holy. <clears throat> now, I was kind of challenged by this as I read this this week. How holy is God's name in America right now? Is it regarded very holy? It's a pretty challenging thought. I don't need to go down a list and say how terrible America is. I think it's a great country. But God's name is not holy in America right now. And then I started thinking about, man, how holy is God's name in my life on a daily basis? It's kind of a challenging thought, right? See, God's name wants to be great. It wants to be hallowed in our lives as believers. And how is it going to be hallowed in America if it's not in the church? It starts right here. Hallowed be your name. And God's name wants to be holy in my life. It wants to be holy in America. It wants to be holy in Albania. God wants his name to be hallowed among all the nations. God's name is essentially the sum of his attributes, and effectively it is his reputation among people. You know, I was joking with uh, Michael yesterday. They, were, they had a football game, and they... They like mercy ruled him, right? And I was joking. I go, man, you've always loved the justice of God. The justice of God brings the mercy of God, right? You, you put the justice on so they pulled the mercy rule in. Man, but God's name is supposed to be hallowed. And guys, I don't know if you guys have heard about the Asbury Revival right now. Has anyone been following that at all? This school just started praying. And I need to check and see if it's still going on, but it starts spreading to all these other campuses. If there's going to be a great move of God in our generation, it usually always, or I think it does always, it starts with prayer and with young people. Prayer and young people. Man, I'm terrified thinking Nathaniel is going to be a senior next year. I'm like, man, there's no hope, not for my kid, but for any kid. I mean, it's just, it seems gloomy, but there is hope. And it's right here through prayer. Unless the Lord builds a house, the workers labor in vain. And we need to be praying for our kids. We need to be praying for revival. The second ingredient on this is in the same verse. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. The second ingredient is God's kingdom coming. You know what I've loved about church planting? Maybe one of the greatest things I've loved about it? you realize pretty quick 
the church planting is never about Renovation City Church. It was never about, name, whatever, name your favorite church. It was never about that church. It's always been about the kingdom of God. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. God uses a church to grow his kingdom. And you notice Jesus, when he started off this prayer, it started with God, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Verse 3, give us each day our daily bread. And the third ingredient is this, trusting God's provisions. Don't we in America sometimes we could, you know, not have to trust in God's provision, at least in our own mind? It's like, man, if there's really a raining day, I could go do this, or you could have these game plans. It's like, man, there's really those second options. I, I do think, you know, having to plant a church and raise money, I feel like I feel that need more of like, God, I got to trust you for daily bread. There's been times where I've literally felt that, but, but even for me, there's times where I'm like, man, if it gets really bad, I got A, B, C, or D, or I got a family member. And man, uh, I once had a friend who said, don't worry, Nate, you'll never sleep under a bridge. I was like, okay, man, I guess I'll never sleep under a bridge. But, but don't we like to try to figure this out? <clears throat> and Michael and Danny, I thought about you guys um, with COVID, right? And I'm not going to get all your stuff, but Michael, you had a job transition, and it was like, and it was so funny, I bet you started praying this prayer with a little different perspective. And I do remember during that time where it was almost like God provided for you guys more during this time where there was no job than when you had one. So maybe you just need to stop, quit your job now. No, you don't have to quit your job now. But give us each day our daily bread. And see, there's those times where, and Blake, I'm thinking about you when you guys I'm quitting the military. I'm going to, you know what I'm saying? You're probably not making that. You don't have the U.S. government backing you with that paycheck right now. But man, this is a prayer we need to pray whether stuff's secure or whether stuff's insecure. Give us each day our daily bread. And the fourth ingredient in this is forgiveness. The power of forgiveness. And forgive us our sins. For we ourselves also forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Man, forgiveness is not something that can be purchased. You know, we need to pray this prayer. If you're a believer in Christ, you're completely forgiven. We don't pray this prayer to become forgiven. We pray this prayer because we are forgiven. Isn't that a great hope? I don't have to come to God and say, God, I really blew it this morning with my kids. Will you forgive me? So I go to, no, I'm already forgiven. I come to God saying, God, I want to be close to you. Man, forgive me because I need help being a better dad. I need help being a better pastor. I need help being a better whatever it is. And here's the thing. We can't really forgive others if we don't walk in that forgiveness. Because that's for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. I was challenged this week with this prayer because I was sitting there thinking, sometimes I think we don't even like to think about grudges we might be holding, people we might be frustrated with. But it says, God, we need cleansing, and we need to give out cleansing. He needs to come in, and then he can go out. And you know, it's funny. I was thinking about some of the most 
worldly successful people I know. And man, their families have tons of money. And I can think of multiple families I know like that where some of the most miserable people where this money has kept them from loving each other. And some of these families won't even speak to each other. Man, they don't have forgiveness. And that goes back straight to the gospel. The more we grow in Jesus, the more I'm convinced that God reveals our hearts. You know, when I first became a Christian, this is a random uh, confession, I would swear if I missed a shot on the basketball court. When I became a believer, that wasn't, I mean, it took a little while to break that habit, but that wasn't that big of a habit, right? I mean, that's going to be broke. That was an outward habit. But what I realized is the more I get close to God, it's like the more he reveals those sins that you might not want to go to. And we got to pray that prayer. God, forgive me my sins. Because it's hard for me to forgive others if I don't receive the forgiveness of God on a regular basis. Guys, that Lord's Prayer, I don't want you here thinking, i got to get up every morning and recite this five times. But it is a great outline. And there's some great things in there. Some great ingredients. And you know, these disciples would pray this prayer verbatim. It's not all bad. It's a powerful thing. Okay, one last thought here is we must embrace Jesus' prayer pattern because persistence is illustrated. Guys, did you know there's never an inconvenient time to pray? Never. I love what Danny was saying, like, man, my kids are about to punch each other in the face. God, you're there. I need you. Deal with it. Come right back. There's never an inconvenient time to pray. Then he said to them, suppose one of you has a friend and goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves. Interesting thought on this verse. Back then, like, you know, we have pretty decent-sized houses in America generally. Back then, there's probably one or two rooms. So if a friend's coming over to your house, He's probably waking your whole, your whole family up. Now, who would, who would like if the kids got woken up at 12? I know Justin went over here with a with newborn. For, so he came to his house for a friend of mine has come to me from a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And from inside, he answers and says, do not bother me. The door has already been shut, and my children and I are in bed. I cannot get, get up and give you anything. Anyone mad yet? I think it would be the maddest. I might try this verse out this week. I tell you, even though he will not give, get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. This last month for us, this, this has been illustrated great for me. Who in here's kids are scared to ask him for stuff? Anybody? So my boys have this tournament this weekend. They're, they're in Memphis. My daughter's in Dallas. It was Thursday night, and we're trying to get everyone ready for bed. And four of my kids are here all begging me and asking me questions. And I was about to lose my mind. I was like, one at a time. You know, I was like, Dad, what's the plan for this? What's the plan for this? What's the plan for this? But as I was sitting there, I started thinking to myself, isn't that how we should be with God with prayer? Like, I was irritated by it. And I'm trying to be a good dad. I'm not always a good dad. But God is the perfect dad. And he wants us to come to him like your kids will come to you. We know right now that we're about to end service here pretty soon. 
And some of your kids are going to come up to you and they're going to ask you stuff. They're going to be like, I want this, I want that, or what are we doing? And it might annoy you. But isn't it crazy that God wants us to come to him like little kids? And I'll tell you this, when my kids ask me for stuff, even when I say no, it's not going to stop them from asking again, I guarantee it. They're comfortable. You need to be comfortable coming to God like that. Luke 11, 9 and 10. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Last thing I want to close on here in this, this last part. From this illustration is the character of the father. It says, now suppose... One of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What I want to say here is this. Is I know you guys. I think everyone in here is just an incredible person. But compared to God, and I want you to think about your, your family background. Even if you had a good dad. Now, some people have had terrible dads, awful dads. But it says, if you then be evil, even if a good dad who's full of sin will give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Guys, our problem is with prayer isn't we ask for too much, it's we settle for too little. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm sitting here, and this is like my weakest area, and I'm like, you know, I'm just thankful that I get to preach on stuff, not because I'm worthy, but because it's in God's word. But I'm like, man, my problem with prayer is I settle for too little. So I encourage us this week to take a step in prayer. Think through a simple step. I'll give you a couple of thoughts. I don't want it to be something like, I have to do this. But I do want you to think through what, what's a step you could take. Maybe it's coming up with that phrase Danny was talking about. And I'm sure she can give you some ideas on that. I just, man, how to get re-centered. Maybe it's like, man, I'm going to get re-centered this week. Because you know what? I was thinking about a phrase. I was like, you know, even when you get into a car, or you, you do your next task. It's like, recenter on Christ. Maybe it's for you. You say, you know what? I'm going to take a prayer walk each day this week. And prayer walks are awesome. Where you just like put your phone up and just start walking. And you know, you can listen. You can pray out loud. Maybe it's you're going to say, I'm going to do the Lord's Prayer each week this week. But man, let's take a step in prayer this week. Because here's the thing about being a disciple and making disciples. Is we always want to be growing. We always want to be growing. We don't want to get, we don't want to get complacent. So real quick, I'm going to give you guys one minute. Share with your, your partner or someone next to you maybe one thing you could do this week to take a step in prayer. And I'm going to, close, or I'm going to have Ed come close us up after that. Announcement uh, that we come to you, God. Lord, I pray that we would stop settling in prayer and that we would just realize how much you love us and that you want us to come to you even more than we want to come to you, God. And I just pray we would embrace this idea. Lord, you say in Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, Lord. Help us go in that direction. Amen.